Today, we are going to talk about the three wars, the three major wars striking planet Earth. One of them is over. The second one we are about to encounter. The third one is farther down the road. I want you to stay tuned as we talk about these three wars. They are vital to know, vital to understand, if you're going to have a clear view of these end time days. Stay with me. I'll be right back. Finding and knowing God is a faith walk. The Bible says that without faith, it is impossible to please God. Our hope lies in the coming Messiah, who will establish God's peaceful kingdom on earth. This is Faith Walk with Ron Susak. Dr. Ron is an evangelist committed to encourage and equip your faith walk as we pass through these turbulent end-time days awaiting that soon-coming kingdom. Here again is Ron Susak. The world absolutely despises God. That's the sin nature. Satan wanted to conquer God. He despises God. He wants that scepter of authority. No one can wrestle the scepter of authority out of the hand of God. And Jesus only did what he did out of the authority given to him by the Father. The Holy Spirit working in your life is only working to the limits and extensions that God's authority grants to him. God is the supreme authority. That's a, the reason why I'm pressing that is because what we are seeing in the world today is an endless effort to scramble God's ordered system. Women want to be men. Men want to be women. Children don't know what they want to be, a dog, a cat, a plant, an it. All the craziness that's going on is nothing new. It is simply man's nature wanting to take the authority unto himself, and that is scrambling everything and uh, creating enormous problems. And in Psalm 110, Verse 3, we read these extraordinary words. They are so, so beautiful. They're poetic, and it throws the commentators because in theology, we kind of love absolute statements. But when the Bible goes into signs or into poetry, then it does release the, the barriers of our thinking, and we can really go some places with that. And in Psalm chapter 110, verse 3, your people will offer themselves freely on the day of your power. By the way, that word power, that is the day of his mounting up with Jesus for the final attack, assault coming onto the earth. That is the rising of his great military. And the glorious thing that you see in this verse is that your people shall give themselves freely. You and I. I am certain would be in full agreement, we are sick and tired of sin. We are sick and tired of the ravages of sin. We are sick and tired of watching world leaders lead us in humanistic re resolutions that we know are only going to complicate the problem. Did you notice, did you notice that during COVID, a global pandemic, 180-some nations shut down, not one, not one political leader 
called for a world day of prayer. What did they say? Put on your mask. Stay in your home. Listen to us. Shut down. No more education. Now we are living two years behind in education. We've lost a generation. We've lost economies around the world. The world is still desperately trying to dig out of that, and now it's rolling around again. And once again, I've heard no one rise up and say, let's pray. My friend, may I tell you, we can blame all we want on everything from climate control to China to you name it. May I remind us, God is the king of the nations. And he is working amid his adversaries. And he's accomplishing his purposes. I shared with you earlier in our ministry, COVID was one of the things that God used, as I'm sure he used it in your life in his own unique way, to shut us down in travel where I was speaking to maybe 300 to 1,000 leaders in summits in Africa to now speaking to we don't know how many millions every single day around the world on media. COVID caused that. God did it. So you cannot stop the Holy Spirit. You cannot stop the will and the plans of God. I learned something years ago from that famed commentator, one of my favorites, Charles Krauthammer. Remember that name? Charles Krauthammer? I remember when they were interviewing him uh, just for some kind of a special, and he told the story of when he was in college and he dove into the pool and broke his neck and he knew that he was a goner, that he, he knew he was medically trained enough to know what happened to his spine, and he knew that he was probably going to drown, and someone got him out of the pool in time. And uh, sometime later, he was studying psychology, or yeah, he, psychiatry, because he was already a medical doctor, and he was not attending the class. And he went into the professor called him in and said, Charles, why aren't you attending this class? He said, because I am not interested in psych psychiatry because it's too abstract. I want absolute answers. In medicine, we go for absolute answers. And, and the professor said, Charles, as Charles is sitting there now in a wheelchair, I think you're in denial. This is where I learned a great lesson. He said, you're right. I live in denial. You know what he meant? I refuse to allow this wheelchair to dictate my life. I deny that. And he went on to become one of the greatest commentators of all time. Look at your age and deny it. Deny it. Look at your physical condition. Deny it. Oh, you're not, I'm not talking about being unrealistic. I'm saying what we've been saying this week. God takes the thing that is weak to bring down the mighty. The weaker you are, the greater your advantage is what I'm trying to tell you. So don't allow anything in your life, from age to weakness to sickness to you name it, don't allow that to define you and define what you are and what you're to be and what you're to do. My friend, we serve a great and mighty God, and he is committed to you. 
And that's why I'm wanting to challenge you and me as hard as I can. Let's break out of all of this introspection, all of this, all of this looking in a mirror and saying, well, people think that I'm this because I'm not as dashing as I was years ago. Forget it. Get into denial. Deny Satan the opportunity to limit you. And look to the God of this universe. God, where are you going? What are you doing? Now, what I want to emphasize this morning, going back on last night's message, which I don't know if I'm proud or not that it was the shortest message in world history at Keswick. <laughs> My wife is dreaming of me preaching the shortest me message ever. And she said, can't you match Jesus where the Bible says Jesus wept? That's it. That's it. Two words. Well, I can't get it down to two words but I'll get it down as tight as I can. But what I want you to see this morning is that all wrath of God is backed by mercy. Remember Habakkuk said, in your wrath, remember mercy? The core of God is not wrath. The core of God is what? Love. Love. For God so loved only the special people. Oh, d doesn't it say that? Really? For God so loves only Israel. He is the king of all the nations, for God so loves the world. You know what's amazing? By the grace of God, I've been privileged to spend most of my ministry traveling the world. And it's unbelievable, no matter where I go, different language, different culture. I got to speak through, through translators. And cultures are radically different. Food is wildly different. And yet, when they meet you at the airport, there's something you can't touch physically, but you know this is my brother. There's a oneness. This is my sister. You just know that you know because the Spirit of God has done in their heart the same thing he's done in your heart. The body of Christ is a oneness body worldwide. Love is at the core of everything God does. And that's why I want to come back to chapter 110 of Psalm and verse 3, that verse again. Your people will offer themselves freely, so sick and tired of the evil and destructiveness of sin, they will gladly mount their stallions ready for the war. But it's going to be a different kind of war. On the day of your power, when you are coming to earth to take command, uh, and then from the womb of the morning, the dew of your youth, the tenderness of your army, the love prevailing in your army will be yours. Jesus is not going to lead an army of rapists to go in and rape the land and rape the women and rape the resources. He is leading a, an army of love that's coming to give and build to the world. Yes, 
There will be violence between the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, and that, li- that violence will be won wholehandedly by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. But we are coming not to bring darkness and evil and manipulation and control like we see every time we see a war on earth. We are coming to love the world as God loves the world. What a day that's coming. With that in mind, I just want to mention this. There are three fundamental wars in world history and world future. Three wars. The first one began at the Tower of Babel. I want you to go there with me and uh, to see what I mean by that. In Genesis, Genesis chapter 10 or 11, Genesis 11 and verse 6. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language, and this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and confuse their language and disperse them. Why? Not because God was afraid that they were going to be able to conquer his throne. Satan failed to do, to, to do that. When he was Luth- Lucifer, no one is going to dethrone God. But he knew what's in the heart of man. And as I mentioned last night, everything man discovers that is great and full of potential, like the splitting of an atom, it always goes south. It always ends up destructive. Man destroying man. Whatever they intend to do, now that they are so united, they will be able to do. And what they'll be able to do is totally destroy themselves. So in splitting us linguistically, that split us geographically, and guess what that created? Now, rather than man collectively trying to dethrone God, man is warring against himself, trying to dethrone one another. Nations rising against nations, nations rising against nations. By the way, my friends, let me drop this into your thinking. We are now advancing so radically in knowledge. Do you know that your grandchildren, what they study in the first two years of college will be antiquated by the time they graduate? Why is that? Not because we're getting smarter, but because our huge computers are able to store information that can be retrieved in seconds. Most of it, my friends, is garbage information. And get ready for this. Elon Musk said he was at the foundation of AI, artificial intelligence. He got out of it. You know why? Because he said they are loading it with lies and they are trying to create their own God. So we're returning to the pre-Tower of Babel days by our ability to rapidly translate language and as in a sense unite the human race again. Lord willing, in the summit that I'm hoping that we can pull together in the next few years between the three nations that I've been talking about, we'll have to have earphones so that each one is hearing instantly in their own language. 
So the world is reuniting again in that sense of communication and hearing each other crossing the language barrier without spending years and years and years of translation study. It's amazing what's happening, but where are we heading? Right back to the Tower of Babel. Here we sit, where they were at the Tower of Babel, ready to to destroy ourselves. My point is simply this. A war has been going on between nations from the Tower of Babel until the present hour. That's that's an endless war of the ages. Different nations, different times, but it's the same thing going on. Now, there's one more war, and that is... Very soon, what is it? Armageddon. Come with me to Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16 and verse 16 speaks of that battle. And they assembled them at the place that in Hebrew is called Armageddon. What are they doing? In All the way back at the Tower of Babel, they were doing what the human race has been trying to do, and that is to be able to gain the scepter of authority out of the hand of God so that we become our own authority. We assume we're our own authority. We've tried it. We fail every time. We haven't learned the lessons. We cannot hold the scepter of authority. But now when we come to the Battle of Armageddon, The human race that will readily assault and attack God, curse his name, despise his wrath, despise his love, now they are gathered together to attack the apple of his eye, Israel. They despise anyone that God is honoring for God's sovereign purposes. By the way, do you know why the world fundamentally hates you? Do you know why if you go to a school board meeting today and speak sense, you could be arrested as a terrorist? Do you know why? Men love what? Darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. And when they hear truth, their eyes are squinting in the pain. They can't handle the light. And so they despise you, and actually, through you, they are despising God. Making sense? That's what you're seeing on the news every night. Man despising God. Wanting to dethrone God. We can't get to God, so we get at the apple of his eye, the people through whom he brought salvation into the world. As you well know, God is not, from what we understand, even going to use a human army to fight that battle. 100-pound ice balls will be dropping out of the sky. No military will survive. It'll be over quickly. That's war number two. War number one is the War of the Ages. It began at the Tower of Babel, continues to this very hour in Ukraine and other places. It's going on right now. Same war just different faces and different nations. Then comes the Battle of Armageddon, but we all know that there's a thousand-year reign coming when Jesus Christ is going to reign on earth and you will be reigning with him 
And here's what happens. Here's the difference between today and that day. Today, Satan is on the loose by God's design, and evil tends to have the upper hand, at least temporarily. It appears to have the upper hand, but when Jesus Christ comes and the battle of Armageddon is fought, and Satan is bound for a thousand years in the pit, righteousness is going to have the upper hand. But here's the thing that many Christians have missed. Do you know that there will be evil throughout the thousand-year period? How do we know that? First of all, the prophecy I've been mentioning this week about Assyria, Israel, and Egypt, that there's a highway running between those three nations, the Bible says no evil person will be allowed on that highway. Well, if there were no evil people in existence during the millennial reign, you would not even have that statement. So we know there will be evil people. But there's another reason why we know there will be evil people through the millennial reign. Again, they will not have the upper hand as they tend to have today. But we know that because we come to the third battle, and that is that at the end of the millennial reign, Satan is unchained, and he travels the earth, stirring the nations against Jesus Christ. Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20, and verses 7. And when the thousand years were ended, Satan will be released from his prison and will come out to deceive the nations that are at the four corners of the earth, Gog and Magog, to gather them for battle. Their number is like the sand of the sea, a lot of evil people. And they marched up over the broad plain of the earth and surrounded the camp of the saints and the beloved city. By fire, uh, but fire came down from heaven and consumed them, and the devil who had deceived them was thrown into the lake of fire and sulfur where the beast and the false prophets were, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. That's the final battle, the final war that's going to be fought on earth. That is where the world has been. This is where the world is on the verge of Armageddon, not that many years away. And then a thousand years down the road, into the future, that final battle. Now, why am I pointing this out? Because it comes right back to Psalm chapter 110 and verse 3. In these wars, the people of God mount up with Jesus Christ, not because we're angry, bitter, vengeful, desirous to conquer and control, but out of what? Love, like the dew that falls to the earth, walk on it all you want. It doesn't fight back. It comes to this world with the knowledge that we walk in victory. You cannot overcome us, no matter how hard you try. You cannot overcome us, and our love will always prevail. Because our love is backed by the power of God. The hatred of the world toward God is backed by the savagery of Satan. You and I walk in the love of God. 
And the love of God is backed by the authority and the power of God. And thus, the world doesn't understand that. The world sees the wrath of God and says, oh, look what a bloody God you have. Look how mean and cruel he is. Really? By the way, I'm sure that some of that are here are strong dispensationalists. But could I encourage you to do something? Don't hold it with a tight fist. If you read the Bible every year through again and again and really take time to absorb it, you're going to find as much love in the Old Testament as you find law in the New Testament. The Bible is one whole book, and it all ties together. Now, do I believe in dispensations? Yes, yes, I'm with you. Don't worry about that. But don't hold it so tightly that you say, law stops here, grace starts there. No, grace is in the Old Testament as much as law is in the New Testament. So just keep the blend of the whole of the picture. But here's the marvelous thing. As we look at the laws of the Old Testament, don't you realize those aren't the laws of an angry, bitter God? They're the laws of love, the Ten Commandments of love. Thou shalt not kill. What's that saying? Let live. It's not a law of anger and wrath. It's the law of life. You go through the Ten Commandments, those are life-giving laws. They are not life-taking laws. And so understand that God has always loved. And he calls you and me to love. That is hard to do when you have been hurt and damaged personally. When it's your son that was shot in a gang fight or in a drive-by killing, or your child was shot, standing in the wrong playground at the wrong time. The most ugly things are taking place. But what's amazing is when you see these tragedies happen and you'll see a parent broken, Bloodshot eyes, quivering lips saying, but God is love, and we trust him. The world can't handle that. The world only stands, understands anger, bitterness, and revenge. The coming kingdom is the coming of love that has the right of rule. In fact, Habakkuk broke into the middle of despair as Israel was in one of its darkest hours, and he said, the righteousness of God will prevail around the world as the seas are covering. So, my friend, understand, yes, we're in war. Yes, Armageddon is coming. Yes, the final war is coming. Yes, people will die. Not because God is an angry, bitter, raging monster in the sky. But all of it is out of love because every time he allows or creates calamity, it's to bring repentance. And repentance leads to his blessing and his fullness. So be confident in your faith. Be brave. We're certain you appreciate Dr. Ron's straightforward teaching of God's Word along with his strong invitation to find salvation through Christ. 
but he needs your help in spreading the gospel to the far reaches of the world through Faith Walk. Join our team by going to faithwalk.org and clicking on Partner With Us. Now, as a way of saying thank you for standing with us in our ministry, we'd like to send you a copy of Diane's Sacred Album and Dr. Ron's book, Silent Night, Holy War, when you partner with us by way of a gift of $50. Well, thanks for being with us today, and we hope you'll join us again next week as we find courage for the journey in our faith walk.